Good morning, everybody. And I want to read a passage. In one sense, I think you're familiar with it. In another sense, um, you maybe have never read it to know what it really means. And so it's in Romans and chapter 2. And let's just go directly to verse 4. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? And I, I want to take the whole verse, but especially, of course, that last phrase, not knowing that the kindness, your Bible could possibly be goodness, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance, to metanoia. Okay, I was thinking about this this morning, actually while I was in bed, and um, I, I realized this message is, if you want to be cute about it, I guess, we could call it the confessions of an old Pharisee, um, because it was Paul who wrote this, and it's one of the parts of Romans not too many people read. They jump to the fun part, which is uh, later on. But in these early chapters, he's addressing Pharisees, and he's pointing out to them um, the the fault of the Pharisee. And I realize that for most of us, that that is our main temptation. We We back off from that because we... You know, you think of Pharisee in very, very, very negative terms. But the truth is, if you think about it, um, I don't know anybody that is seriously tempted, among us anyway, uh, they're not seriously tempted to become tax collectors. Um, that's not, you know, we, we don't have a great temptation daily to join the mafia. It's, it's not, that's not where it happens. Whether we like it or not, most of us, when it comes to temptations in this area, we are tempted to become Pharisees. And that's not because they were hypocrites. I, I could give a good case for the Pharisee. There's many respects in which the Pharisee in that day answered to the evangelical of today. <clears throat> Can you blame a person for praying on a regular basis? That was the Pharisee. Uh, can you blame a person for memorizing the entire Old Testament? Sounds like a jolly good idea. Um, it's, it's hard to blame a person that gave meticulously a tenth of everything they had and set aside another tenth to take them to worship God. That was the Pharisee. Um, now into that came a lot of hypocrisy and they got it all wrong. But be careful if you despise the Pharisee, then you've become a Pharisee. Now, that was the trouble. They despised everybody that were not like them. We tend to do the same thing and become Pharisees condemning the Pharisees, you see. Um, no, the truth is that we are all, at least I think everybody that's in the sound of my voice this morning, we are, we've got this feeling that's nibbling at us like rats in the cellar, that is a draw to become Pharisees. That's, that's our biggest temptation. So hold that in mind. 
Paul is giving us here, he knows what he's talking about. He's the old Pharisee. He had been a Pharisee, not just a Pharisee, but leading among them. And he knew what they were doing, and he knew what the trouble with them was. And and so that's the backdrop. Paul knows what he's talking about here. And, And he's addressing the Pharisee. And this verse, which is one of the most wonderful verses in the New Testament, but it was originally addressed to the Pharisees by one of their own number who now has discovered life in Christ. And so you could say this text is addressed to, or should I say, complacent religion. That's what a Pharisee was. He's got it. He doesn't need to keep searching. He's he's, he's complacent. Uh, He has access to what he believes is salvation, a gospel. Um, His study of scripture was so massive that Jesus marked him off. He said, you study the scriptures. And the idea is you've got your nose in the Old Testament the whole time. And you believe that in it, he said, is eternal life. You're there all the time. And you've seen the works of God. You know the whole history of your Israel family. And you've seen right from the get-go, from plagues in Egypt to walking through the Red Sea, all the way into your own life. And little do you know it, Pharisee, you're standing in front of God incarnate and he's speaking to you what greater privilege anyone has had. That's the Pharisee. And the God's kindness is in your life right to this present moment. But you see, the Pharisee religion is indifferent to what they saw around them. It's a ho-hum. It's a yawn and got it and walk away. Why? Because they believe they don't need it. That's the whole problem. They don't need it. I've memorized the whole Old Testament. I don't need it. It's interesting. I'll give you my ear. I'll say that was a good message. But I don't need that. I, I've memorized everything you've said. I could check it out as you're talking. Um, I don't need this. And so they're indifferent to it. It's complacent. There's no excitement there. And worse yet, they would use that that they knew so well and use it to prove that they're better than those who don't know. That's where we can come very close <clears throat> to the Pharisee. Uh, the Pharisee said, we have access to God. We, we know. We've got this down. And I thank you, O oh God, I'm not like him sitting over there, dear Lord. Him. No, I'm not like him. I would never do what he does. And, and and the Pharisee has this look about them. You know when you've met a Pharisee, they have an, uh, they've practiced it for years, that they, they can look down their nose at you. There's a sneer to their voice that you're, I'm better than you. Of course I am. And it can get, na- the Pharisee never quite knew when to stop because the question of who is my neighbor Phil, that wasn't just something they th- brought up one day to Jesus. They'd been arguing about that for five years. Who is my neighbor? 
You see, it, it can't be everybody. God would never expect us to love everybody, for goodness sake. Of course not. No, it must be just Israel. Well, yeah, I know that Israel, they're my kith and kin. But, I mean, you know some Israelites, you couldn't love them. It's not possible. And so it's, it's getting narrow. It must be the people that believe what we believe. Now, we're really a little company. Uh, but the trouble is, I disagree with, you know, Hezekiah over there and Joash over there. And it, it must be... It ends up the only people I can love are people who are exactly like me. That's a Pharisee. Everyone else is out because they don't see and believe what I see and believe. Well, this is that verse. It's a call, an urgent call from an old Pharisee. He is saying, wake up, wake up. See what's happening right under your nose. And because of your attitude, you're too complacent to see it. The Holy Spirit is leading them through every evidence of his kindness and leading them to a transforming moment, metanoia. He said he's leading you to that, to bring you to this relationship with God that transcends all of your Bible memorization, all of your doctrine straight and right, all of your behavior coded. Forget it, the whole thing. The Holy Spirit's kindness and his goodness is leading you to a moment of metanoia in which you won't come to this relationship to God. The word, as I said, um, in many of your Bibles, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Actually, the word there is rendered everywhere else in the New Testament as kindness. Kindness is the better word there. Um, actually, it's not just kindness, it's gentleness. It's the gentle, the kind gentleness. Um, one translator has put it, the sweet disposition of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's, in a sense, the kindness is being underlined in red. It's not only kindness, it's a gentle kindness. It's just that sweet disposition of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know the word kind? It's a, it's a word we don't really understand today. Um, but the bottom line meaning of the word kind is useful. Um, Kindness is love being useful to you in the moment you need it the most. And so we, we say, you know, help an old person across the street. And that was a kind young man. Kind, that's a good word to use because that's exactly what they needed. Someone to love them and they'd be, so the, the person helping was useful to them. The amazing thing is that this word described as being of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is kind. And God makes himself available to us. He makes himself useful to us. That's almost uh, caught in my mouth to say that God makes himself useful to us. But that's the meaning of the word. Um, his kindness, his usefulness, the gentleness of God is, is everything I need in this moment. Whatever this moment holds, present tense, <clears throat> is. 
I could underline that too, because he is kind to us where we presently are, which means not where I'm supposed to be, um, not where I should be, not where I ought to be, and all the other legalistic words you can use there. He is being kind to me exactly where I am, which may be a position of royally screwed up, but he is kind and gentle, and his disposition is sweet, as it says. Don't don't understand, don't over underestimate God's kindness. That's what this verse begins. He says, "Do do not treat it lightly. Don't don't underestimate God's kindness." This is one of the the great powers within the word agape, within love. It's it's the wealth of his benevolence, his goodness. And written into it is his absolute refusal to let go of us. He will not let go of us. In his kindness, he will be there day and night. It's because he sees us in Christ. He sees and remembers, could I say, his original intention to include us into the Holy Trinity family. That was the reason behind creation. And that is how God treats us. He never sees us as ultimately being a wreck. He sees us where he planned we should be, his sons and his daughters. Um, Gentle kindness, patience. That is the shepherd. And you read it right there. I I thought this is going to fit perfectly. Because this word does fit into this. The shepherd that leads. Um, the shepherd God that is leading us. And you don't need me to tell you to scratch out that horrible word, repentance. Um, he is leading us to a radical mind shift. And his acts of kindness that surround us are all leading to that. Leading to this radical Mind shift, where where we see God as he really is, and at the same time see ourselves as he sees us and knows us. If we turn to the word goodness as a possible way of looking at this, well, you remember in Exodus 33, uh, Moses said, show me your glory. He said, I'll cause my goodness to pass before you. The goodness of God is his um, glory, the glory, and that word means opinion. God's opinion of us is his glory. <laughs> God's opinion of you and I is that he, he loves us and that love expresses itself in these beautiful words of kindness and gentleness. Um, that's the glory of God. If you scan the other religions of the world, they don't come anywhere near it. Um, David exploded in one of the Psalms and says, uh, Oh God, great God, who is like unto thee among the gods? He said, the, the other religions are not even worth talking about. Now, this is the goodness of God, which it means the beauty of God. It means the pleasantness of God, the harmony of God as well as a simple fact of moral goodness. But it's got in it the idea of a radiance. How beautiful is God. 
this one who, where I sit right now, in the middle of all the problems I know right now, he is gentle, he is kind, and he has a disposition, sweetness. And it's this kindness of God that here in this text, it says he takes the initiative. It's the kindness of God that has come into our lives before he even knew there was a God, and he leads us, and he draws us. It's the kindness of God that is at this moment, every one of us, he is actually drawing us. He's leading us. And the, the verb tense there is now, is so. It's in this very moment. It is not one of these days. It wasn't certainly looking back to when he did. It is in this throbbing moment now, the kindness of God in your life, my life, is. And what is, 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 is that he is leading. It's not a passive, it's not just the feeling of what he's kind. It is a, there's a force, a love force, the kindness force. He is actually leading us to metanoia. Well, that is the nature of love. Love can never be passive. Love, by definition, is a movement toward. Uh, it, it's the movement of the lover toward the beloved. And it's, you see, what am I? It's the nature of love to draw the beloved into an embrace. That's the nature of love. Now think about this. Kindness, gentleness, plain goodness can and never will beat a person into submission. That's why love is risky. Love is risky because love sets the beloved free. Yes. And, and here it says it's the goodness of God that leads us to metanoia. Religion doesn't. Religion will threaten you, beat you. You're driven like cattle as opposed to the Middle Eastern shepherd who walks ahead of the sheep and calls them and leads them by the sound of his voice. Love never makes you afraid. Um, if, if the God you worship makes you afraid, it's time you traded in and, and got a new God. Because the, tr the true God never makes you afraid. And there's a whole paragraph on that in 1 John 4. That um, the, the outside of this love, you're faced with condemnation. And the word in the Greek there is a fist that's about to smash your face in. Yeah. And you cower from it. But when I come to this God, I am faced with, with the one who never makes me afraid. He, he never controls me. That word isn't in God's vocabulary. He never controls and certainly, you know, control is through, through fear, through threat, but not this one. In spite of the fact that we are blind idiots, we are stubborn, stupid. And yet, how does he deal with us? The verse opens by saying, with his patience. And 
the word patience, I think, in any language, it, it means in spite of the fact that we'll punch him back, we'll spit at him, we'll... What they did exactly to Jesus on the cross is patience. As they nailed him to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. That, that's patience. You, you're asking, when is he going to give up? When is he going to say, okay, enough of this? You know, um, No, it goes on. And he, the next word he uses is long-suffering. Suffering, long-suffering, that means it's a passion that goes a long way. I think that's the word in the Greek, which, which means a long, drawn-out breath. It's he, he's, he never gets frustrated with us. Um, we, we are to him that beautiful mess. Uh, he's that's you remember that in the shack, she, Holy Spirit working in the garden, and Mackenzie says that's a mess. He said, "It's my beautiful mess." Then he discovers she's talking about him, but um, it's true. It's so much condemnation, self-condemnation, because I haven't got it right. Self-condemnation because I don't seem to have what I'm supposed to have. Well, you're in a state of growth. It's a garden that's growing, and it takes the patience of God the long-suffering of God in the middle of all our mess to continue to draw us and lead us. Um, we, we saw something, I forget where it was this morning, but, but it, it said, um, if, if you're talking about religion, it says, I've made a mess of my life. Don't tell my father. He'll give me hell. Or the gospel, I've made a mess of my life, I'm going to call my father. It's, that is the difference. You've got it right there. The kindness of God. And he says it's the kindness of God that leads us. And that word, it means much the same as it does in English, to take you by the hand. You take the hand of a little child and you lead them. He guides us, and he's got a specific goal in view. We're going, there's going to be a lot of turning over in life, but there'll be the moment of metanoia, and you have this radical change of mind. The word at his heart may mean to bring us. He leads, but it's not just an ambling walk in the park. He is bringing us to a specific place. He's bringing us. It means something has been set in motion and we're now being brought to. I mean, this is true of every one of us, beginning with myself. Every one of us are in this process. That The kindness of God is right now doing this. So, hence I say this is a wake-up call. See what God is doing. You are being led into deeper understandings of metanoia. Um, and it's always in the present tense. He, he, it's never a time where we're in a lull. No, this is always present tense. There, there, this performing in us, this act of bringing us, is, is always now. I think it's interesting, the Greek word here for lead has given us the English word agile, um, 
And if you know anything about agile, get a two-year-old. And it's constant movement, constant movement, agile. We were looking out of our um, porch window the other day, and, you know, we get the deer there every night. And in this occasion, it was an axis deer. Couldn't have been more than a day old. It was still almost wobbly on its legs, and it was discovering life, you know. And um, it, it's got so much life it doesn't know what to do with it. And literally, it looks around at the others and took off and like a greyhound. And there was a water hose across the lawn and it came, and it leaped in the air to get over the water hose and got to the other end of the yard and just looked, you know, why did I do that? I don't know, but it's got to be done. And back it came. That That's agile. Well, actually, that's the Greek word, agile, that's, it goes back into the Greek, that, that we're going somewhere, and there's a, a beautiful love force behind it, and sometimes it's too big for us to even imagine that we're, it's kindness. Okay, um, we would use this word um, for courtship. Actually, you could say in the old English, it, it's God wooing us. It is it's love coming alongside and revealing his love to us, wooing. And in that wooing process, uh, something is happening. There's a relationship developing. There's a love being discovered. And it brings about marriage. It is the bring. Do you understand what... You know, in, in there you could put your dates and you could put your dinners and there's a very real sense in which you are being wooed by the Holy Spirit and he has a date with you and there are moments of closeness when you, do you know anything about what I'm talking about or am I meandering into nowhere? It's, yeah, I, I've told the story many times before. Um, when I when I was in a, in a little boat, well, you know, rowboat on the Zambezi River in Zimbabwe, and um, I was just idling. I was watching the creatures on on the side of the river, and it I was going nowhere. At least I thought. And then I realized the boat was moving slowly. But very definitively, it was moving without any help from me. And um, then I realized it was moving a little bit faster. And then I heard the roar of the Victoria Falls, which is at the end of the Zambezi River. And um, obviously, I didn't go over the falls. <laughs> I, but that's what this is. There was a current almost imperceptible to begin with, something I didn't even actually register until you look back and see where you are to where you were, and you realize there is a current that would fit this word. It's bringing me to the Victoria Falls. Or, in the same way, the banks of the river in in some 
you could use the word to describe the banks of a river because it's the banks of the river that are making sure the river goes where it's supposed to go. Mm. Take away the banks and it's everywhere. But this is the same word. The, the banks of the river bring the water to where it's supposed to be. Um, and when used like that, there's always the agile idea. It's, it's leaping forward. It, it, the water can go very quickly, but it will keep to the banks and it will go where it's supposed to. But maybe the biggest in the whole Bible is, is the sheep and shepherd. The, the shepherd leads the sheep. And I've told you this before too, of standing where there were five flocks together out there in Israel, five shepherds are visiting. And when one leaves, he just walks away and, and he's calling out the names of every one of his sheep and they're all pushing through the herd to get to follow their shepherd. That's this word. He leads them and in so do he's bringing them, he's separating them out, he's bringing them. That's this word. And the amazing thing with that is they follow freely. Again, that's risky, knowing sheep especially, but there's no must about it. If it's must, I'll get behind the sheep and I'll have a switch and make sure they... But this, you, you, every sheep knows its name and every sheep is being called and the call has within it the expectancy that they're going to follow. And they do. Uh, it, but they're, they're free not to. That's the scary part about it. And all through this, this word, there's that element of freedom that I, I don't have to. The, this is where we really get like Pharisees, where, where there's the have to, you ought to, you must. Should, should yeah. And um, that isn't in this word. And, and I say that gets kind of scary. Um, the, the new convert will say, now what do I have to do? Um, anything you want, you know, is, um, there's no rules around here. That's scary. It's a lot easier. And this is how denominations happen. It's a lot easier to say, I, I found this is the way I did it. So now you all must do it. And there's a must to it. And sign here to promise you will do it. And right at that moment, you've lost contact with this word altogether. That this is the risk. If I believe that the Holy Spirit is working in you, I can afford to sit back and watch sometimes and be there when you're asking for it, but not to lay down rules, not not to say this is a must. You know, you've got to read your Bible every day. You've got to pray every day. Well, yeah, you probably will, but not because there's a must to it. This word brings a want to it, and that changes everything. Um, you're free not to, and that's what relationship is made of. The moment there's a must, there is no longer relationship. You've got a dictator situation. Um, they used this word to describe... Um, a journey in a boat that's beginning because they had boats. I mean, we could do the same with planes and 
trains and it's but it what it was they're setting sail they've set the sails um and so the boat now leaps forward it's that agility idea again and so really this is you hear the captain saying let's go that's this word let's go we are going to bring this ship and you in it to its destination. And we're now, this is it. And all the boat has to do is yield to the wind that will carry us there. And so let's go. The Holy Spirit's wind is blowing through us and we're, we're coming to this. The kindness, the Holy Trinity that's the love of God. Agape is a big word. It has many aspects to it, many shinings of the diamond, but it's the kindness. Do you remember in Titus 3 where, where it says, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds we've done, according to his mercy, poured out richly upon us through Christ Jesus. It's a kindness of God. We were, he was there just to be useful to us in the time that we needed it. It was a kindness. The, the desire of the Father for you to be child the desire of the Son to unite with us and become human and carry us through death and resurrection. Kindness is just there exactly where we needed him to be. But the Spirit is now with us, in us. And this is the major work of the Holy Spirit to bring us to see everything the Father heart is and everything the son has done and to see what is done for us is metanoia this so the holy spirit now takes us he's now leading us he's now this is this is his delight this is he's like the little fawn you know he's there's so much life in the holy spirit he never stops moving and um he melts our hardened hearts and he brings us in Christ to metanoia, that face-to-face -face with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a very important point here. I mean, the first one would be threats and uh, all that go with the threats bring no one to metanoia. Amen. Nothing. And, and much, well, religion doesn't understand that. Religion's oxygen is threat of punishment. And so they don't understand that it's the goodness, the kindness that leads us to metanoia. But also understand this. Metanoia, that revelation of God, does not lead us to God. Well, let me put it like this. Doesn't lead us to the point where God will be good to us. You know what I mean? Yeah. People say, well, if you do this, then... Um, and I hear it. I, I listen in the right places, I guess. But 
I hear it a lot among evangelicals that, well, isn't it wonderful now God can love him because he came to Christ? Um, that is blasphemy of the first order. No, metanoia doesn't lead us to a position where God can be good. Rather, it's his goodness that leads us to metanoia. That is, God's intense love to us and his kindness to us brings us to the revelation. It's not the revelation that now allows God to be kind to us. Okay. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is his work to bring us to this revelation. It's, it's the work of Jesus to, in his own words, bring us to the Father. But now it's the Holy Spirit to enlighten us so that we know we've been brought to the Father. Holy, Holy Spirit. Um, one day we'll have to spend an hour on that. Um, <laughs> Because that, that's really that one word can, can stop all this in its tracks. The, the holy God, probably the Pharisees would have this, but it, there, there was a terrible twist, terrible twist in the way we understood holy it occurred around the 5th, 6th century um, when attorneys and court judges became our theologians. And we lost everything the Old Testament said about holy. And um, as I say, the Pharisees seemed to be a bit ahead of their time because their idea of holy was much the same as when the church went bad. But holy, you see, the word holy sort of means separated. If you go to most churches today, they will tell you holy means separated. Therefore, God separated from us. Or oh, that other half of verse they keep quoting, he's too holy to look at sin. You know, don't, don't show up. Or as the evangelist said down at the American building, um, God is repulsed by you. He's disgusted by you. He can't look at you. But Jesus, he's different, see. He comes in and has a fight with the Father to get you into heaven. See, all that arises from seeing holy as separate. God the Father is, is away from me. I'm afraid of him. Well, as I said, it sort of means that. It doesn't mean it. The actual word is better understood as unique. If, if something or someone is unique, they are indeed separated. But their uniqueness doesn't separate them from us. Or... or Put it this way, God is not, God is not, is not separated from us. Rather, he's separated to us. He separates himself to be for us. And therefore, among all that you might call divine or God, he's unique. He's the only image that has ever been put among mankind of a God who's for us, who is separate to us. So what is this unique that is separated to us? It is agape. God is love. God is kind. And all the other adjectives we put there to describe it. That's unique. 
even people that have the word church outside their building, they don't get that. It is unique. Gods are not supposed to be like that. He's unique. So holy means he's unique and only there's no one else. The unique love, which leads us then to a seamless togetherness. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that are bonded in a seamless union because of this love. It, it leads us to that circle of shared life. Father sharing himself in total with the Son, the Son with the Father, the Holy Spirit, bathing them all in glory and light and love. It leads us then to fellowship. Fellowship, an infinite level, a passionate, joyous fellowship. It leads us to harmony and peace, communion. Even I use the word camarade. You know, it's it's likened to where I was this last weekend. Um, it's a fish camp. Bunch of guys got a fish camp out in the marshes on the Louisiana coast and I went there and Cheryl with me to, to minister to them for the weekend. And that's what it was. It was a bunch of guys backslapping, laughing, having a grand time, throwing a few crabs and fish. And, and yet we were ministering truth. And it was camaraderie to realize where that originated. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a fish camp. It's, you know, it leads to conversation, the sharing. It leads to laughter, joy. It's the foundation of music for its harmony and its beauty. It's the foundation of art, that everything is harmonious. It's this rich, this, this beautiful, this abounding union of the Holy Trinity that reaches out to us, unstoppable, inescapable. Love. That's holy. That's holy. When, when people say the word holy in some churches, they bend their head. Others beat their chest. Oh. Holy, holy. What the heck are you doing? If you jumped up and down, if you ran like an axis deer just born, now that's closer to what I'm talking about. That's holy. It is divine excitement and exuberance of love that cannot stop giving himself away. Holy. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Now, the word spirit in both languages, in Hebrew, ruach, and in Greek, pneuma, both words mean wind. Um, it, it means a gentle breeze. It also means tornado, uh, hurricane. It, it's just wind. Fascinating. Holy wind. What's a wind? Have you ever seen wind? I've never seen wind. Never. 
I've seen the effects of wind. So the tree bends and you look out the window and say, it's a windy day. Where's the wind? I don't know. But I, you can't see wind. It's invisible, only known by what it's doing and what it leaves in its wake. In, in a blazing hot day, you go and there's a gentle breeze. You say, a beautiful breeze. Can you capture it, put it in a bottle? I don't know where it is even. All I know is there's a, something on my face that tells me there's a breeze here. It's the Holy Spirit. He is the breeze. He's the tornado of holy love. That, that's who he is. And the breeze of God, the holy breeze, the holy wind of God is in every one of us. The kindness of God bringing us to metanoia. Um, see, when you say goodness, kindness, patience, long-suffering, I could keep going. These are the what we call attributes of love. An attribute means the thing would not be what it is without it. So... The attribute of God is love. There is no God if there is no love. It's what it is. A ball is round. That's his attribute. You can't have a square ball. It's got to be round. Maybe many different colors, but it's got to be round to be a ball. So God is love. He is love. That's his essence. And love has many attributes. So the attribute of God has many subsections, which means God cannot be God without this. You follow me? This isn't a choice. This isn't a mood. This isn't something that he comes and he goes on. This is. He is. And I say again, go through the scripture and goodness and kindness and patience and gentleness and long-suffering. They're all attributes of agape. Read 1 Corinthians 13. And right now in our lives, we're, we're surrounded by micro evidence of love, kindness. And I say micro because if you're not listening and not watching, it will go past and you wouldn't even notice. But it, it's in those micro moments where there's a flash like the flash of the sun on a diamond, and it's the kindness of God. And But then there's the macro, that, that is these big events. Have you noticed what's happening in universities all over the world right now? Uh, of, of this, That's macro. <laughs> and who, try and explain it. I don't know. I didn't see anything except I saw the trees bend into the ground. I, I can see people weeping and crying for joy. Yeah, invisible something here. It's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Wind. And he, what's he doing? Is this just so people can have fun for a minute? It is. No, he's leading to metanoia. He's leading to a revelation of who God really is and who we really are. The Holy Spirit is our now, our now present are now counselor, friend, guide, 
bringing us, filling our lives with the love of God. And it's a unique operation. Um, it's the initiative of the Holy Spirit. And of course, um, back in that same time, I just mentioned the 5th, 6th century, um, when they lost the meaning of holy and replaced it with the most ghastly definition of an angry God. Uh, and um, also at that same time, they said the Holy Spirit was now no longer with us, that he left with the death of the last apostle. And anything that looks like him is a mistake, is demons playing with us all. Interesting. Because that was the beginning of the great apostate church. But then just about 100 years ago, well, maybe 150, um, Benjamin Warfield, you might have heard of him, but leader in evangelical thought, uh, Princeton University, he said the same thing. The Holy Spirit left at the last apostle. And that's what is generally believed in America today by most churches. Have you noticed wherever that doctrine is held, none of this makes sense? If I say there is no present Holy Spirit, then I don't even look for the agility of God's love. I don't even look. It's all up to me now. I've got to try and be like Jesus. And we get all excited at a little band around our lips. What would Jesus do? I don't give a think what Jesus was doing. I want to know what's he doing now. That's all legalism. That is all trying to live this as if there is no Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And it's the Spirit who said, okay, let's go. And there's that move. And he when you begin to recognize those flashes of kindness, when you realize what God is doing on a macro level, we yield to it. Like, set sails, let the Spirit take us where he wants. This is an urgent call this old Pharisee is giving you. It's an urgent call. We're moving toward metanoia. And I think I've told you before, that means a radical change of mind. It, it, it means um, I see things as I've never seen them before. And in seeing them as I've never seen them before, it changes everything. We were talking to a person uh, this last weekend, and um, they were sharing how they came into contact with this ministry. And they said, now, and they are like a volcano talking of the love of God, but... They said they look back to what they believed four years ago and they can't believe it was them. Yeah. They believe that, you know? Yes, that's metanoia. You've had a change of mind, which gives a change of direction. It's um, a paradigm shift. It means everything in my life has now shifted because of that. It's a radical change of heart, radical change of thinking. It's a transformation of seeing God, character of God. And in those moments, we do hear his voice. You hear the voice of the Spirit saying, let's go, come on. And um, 
we are aware of a directing hand. I mean, how did some of you end up here? I, I, I'm very serious about that. To hear people tell how they ended up. Um, it's the Holy Spirit. Kindness and goodness. Okay, at this crucial moment that I've been trying to talk about, this leading, this bringing us to metanoia, that's when the Pharisee rises up. Sort of, oh, no, we don't. It, it's a pullback at a very deep level. Sometimes it's just dismissed as coincidental that I met this person and they said this and met that and then read this and I, I'm beginning to, no, that's just, what a coincidence, you know. Don't recognize the goodness of God. This is interesting, but let's put it away for another day when we've got more time to think about it. We make it into a non-important footnote to life. We don't need that right now. Or, how can I say, to get rid of what the Spirit is saying, we do an interesting thing. We make this moment when we're experiencing the Spirit, we make that the terminus. Yeah. I've arrived. Mm. It's the same thing, and don't misunderstand me, please. Um, because I know what people are saying, and I agree with what they're saying, but it's the way we say it that sometimes fashion our lives. Say, I was saved 40 years ago. Yeah. Okay, good. What's happening now? I honestly don't give a fig about 40 years ago. What you, you, like Peter at the Transfiguration, you built a tent there. And, and said, this is it. We've arrived. It can't get any better than this. So let, let's, let's build a box to put it in. No. I, I, I'm not interested. I'm glad you've got some history of God in your life. But the moment you said that was it, it, it was the danger that I faced um, in the charismatic movement and in the you know, Pentecostal churches before that, you you got the Holy Spirit. That was it. That was it. And especially among, you know, the hardcore of that, there was a, you spoke in tongues, you got the Spirit, well, that's it. What do we do now? Wait till Jesus comes. That's, and that's the truth. That's not an exaggeration. That's Phariseeism. I got it. That's it. And I have effectively shut the Holy Spirit out by saying that experience I had, that changed everything. Good. Changed everything 40 years ago. Is it changing everything now? No, because we got it. You see, we got it. We miss the journey because we've housed ourselves in something that happened 40 years ago which is to regard anything new as suspicious and we disallow it because I got it, you see. I got it. It's that opposite to the word remember. 
You know what remember means, bringing the past into this present moment. Well, forgetting means to leave something where it happened a long time ago and to say that now it's irrelevant to life. It, uh, I mean, I just, I say it was there, I did, I was, we built a monument to it, but it's irrelevant to how I live today. The strange thing is they can actually live with that. There's a translation which sometimes can be very difficult because he keeps it very much to the Greek. Um, Jonathan Mitchell, if ever you see it. But let me, this verse, uh, Romans 2.4, he says, are you continually having a despising, thinking down with disrespect, negative disposition? Did you get this is your attitude it's a negative disposition you're thinking down on people and everything you're despising concerning the riches wealth of his kind gentle usefulness goodness with sweet disposition kindness his delaying forbearance the tolerant holding back, his patient long-suffering, and you are constantly being ignorant that God's kind, gentle, usefulness, goodness, sweet disposition is continuously leading you into a change of mind and purpose, a paradigm shift, a change of heart and thinking, accompanied by a turning away from an old life. He said... What are you doing? You're, you're looking at everything with, with down. God, that is irrelevant to me. I, I'm in. See, when a person gives their testimony, as Marshall did the other week, that in Scripture, I don't know if you... Well, I preached on it once. A testimony means in Scripture to do it again. So when Marshall says, this is how God broke into my life, he's sending out a message in the Holy Spirit. He can do that for you and you and you and you, that he'll do it again. And we note many times when a person gives a testimony, it does happen again all over the place. So it is. Um, That is a testimony is God's call to action. That is the announcement and the affirmation of um, his kindness. Look, God was gentle with me. God was kind. He worked with miracle love. That goes out not for you to say, that's very good, very good. No, it's rather, this is called for action. He who did that shall do this. Suddenly I've now got... A push. It's the Holy Spirit looking at you saying, that's you. Come on, let's go. And, and um, see, the, the Pharisee can't do that. They, In fact, there's a verse in Ezekiel, which uh, it's one of the oddest verses. In I'm going to read you, I don't have time for um, 
the actual, if I read it from my version, I want to read it from the message. And he, he really hits it on the nail. He said, as for you, son of man, you've become quite the talk of the town. Your people meet on street corners and in front of their houses and say, let's go and hear the latest news from God. They show up, as people tend to do, and sit in your company. They listen to you speak, but they don't do a thing you say. They flatter you with compliments, but all they care about is making their money and getting ahead. To them, you're merely entertainment. You are a country singer of sad love songs playing your guitar. They love to hear you talk, for nothing comes of it. But when all this that I've told you to say happens, they'll realize they really did have more than a country singer. Do, do you follow what he's saying? Yeah. Where is that? Where is that? It is in Ezekiel 33, verse 30 through 33. And... Um, I've had the same experience. Um, You know, Gail can tell you, she now works in her office, and people call and say, I know everything Malcolm has ever said, you know. (laughs) And, um, well, I would to God they did, but they they begin to talk, and within three minutes, you know, they don't even know a thing I've been saying. But they, they, like my accent, we, we... we had a number of people when I was on radio every day. They tuned in because they like British accents. Yeah. And, well, many of them got more than a British accent. But, you know, it's this idea. That was a great sermon. What was it about? Well, I'm not sure, but it was really good, you know. That's entertainment. That That's you're the country singer of a sad love song, and people weep and they love it, but no one thinks of changing their life changing what they believe. Um, I, I have to push that. I, that is, the Pharisee has got his songs, if you like. They rehearse them to each other every day. But the idea of actually having a transformation of your innermost self and have a new paradigm by which to think and order your life is, that's nothing to do with it. And um, there are many churches that now encourage that. That's not only a strange thing that God says. They work at it, and they have literally Christian entertainment. Uh, And you go there, and there's no idea about changing your life, except someone gets up after it all and tries to make you come and say this prayer after me. But it's, it's a mentality. Am I hearing God's kindness grasp me and saying, let's go. Or are we just leaning back and saying, well, that was so good. I really enjoyed that. I don't know if I make sense. But, and of course, metanoia and the kindness and gentleness of God is not always pleasant. (coughs) Because metanoia is going to tell you that your present life is empty and the fullness of God is what he's going to show you. You know, I, I, 
stood in front of one congregation and said, I've got some great news for you. Everything you believe is wrong. <laughs> all your problems stem from wrong believing. So I've got great news. We're going to solve all your problems because all that you believe is wrong. And that means the only way I can help you is tear down everything you believe and replace it with truth. There is a verse in Hosea 2.14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. I've lure. If you're a fisherman, you know what a lure is. It's, it's something you put into the water and it sparkles as it turns in the water and, and it, the fish is drawn. That's a lure. And, and God uses that word. I will, I'll draw you. I'll allure you. you. You'll find yourself following my voice. And he said, well, we, we did this a few months ago on Hosea and Goma, Israel. But it says, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. He's saying this woman is so full. Her, she's, she's got nothing else in her head except the false worship, the Baals, and, and the, the hideousness of the Baal temples and She's not listening. She doesn't even know what love is. So he says, I'm going to lure her, woo her. She's going to find herself following. And I'm going to take her into the wilderness, as far away from the temples and far from all her lifestyle. And finally, when she's not distracted I will speak kindly to her, yeah. kindly. Yeah. And then I will give her vineyards. And then he says, the valley of Achor is a door of hope. That, unless you know the Bible, that wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. But in the, the book of Joshua, uh, there was a man called Achan who stole the Babylonian stuff. And um, he was bringing the whole of Israel down with him. And so it was in the Valley of Achor that they handled that trouble that was destroying Israel. And so he makes reference to it. He says, the place of your trouble, the, the place where all your life was collapsing, that will become to you a door of hope. I'm speaking to you kindly. You're not going to be happy about it because I'm going to tell you everything you believe is wrong. Everything you thought was life is death. And, and your pathway is nothing but pain. And I'm going to show it to you. I speak to you kindly. The valley of Achor, the place of your trouble, actually will become the place of hope. And you will sing there. Um, again, the message really has a way of saying it. And now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start all over again. I'm taking her back out into the wilderness where we had our first date. That being, they were brought out of Egypt into the wilderness when Israel began. I'll court her. 
I'll give her bouquets of roses, and I'll turn Heartbreak Valley into acres of hope. It's a wake-up call. God is at work in your life, my life, in a much bigger way than we ever thought. And you say, well, I've had a metanoia. Good. Wait for the second. <laughs> that, that again. See, don't build a box around it. Don't start a new denomination. It's just, I'm just moving on. Let the wind blow. And the wind of the Spirit will keep taking me into <clears throat> deeper understanding. So every, every kindness that the Spirit opens your eyes to is a wake-up call. He's saying, let's go. This is the dawn of a new day of metanoia. So what can I do? Nothing. What, what did that tree do to be almost on the ground? bent over and did nothing. It just yielded to the wind, and the wind did the rest. Yes. We yield to the gentle bringing. We yield to the tender kindness, the inner movement of our heart, and we let the metanoia take place through the Holy Spirit. We respond to kindness with one great big, yeah, let's go. And the goodness of God, the kindness, the gentleness, that beautiful disposition of the Holy Trinity will bring us, lead us to metanoia. Yes. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father. What we said is the truth. As you have revealed to us in Jesus through the Spirit, Lasso us, Holy Spirit, and bring us to your metanoia of truth, metanoia of love, that we might grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Amen. amen. And amen.